Looking to expand your playlist? Well, Fat Bulls Radio has got you covered. Lose your religion with Reverend Jess and Deacon Sam over on the Church Absurd. Hear nerd culture get dissected on the Fickle Fanboy with RPM. Grab a drink and some laughs with the designated drinkers. Hear some solid interviews on Unseriously Serious. Do you want to get involved? Send your rant to the League of Infuriated Nerds. Also, check out the Fat Bulls Radio Associated shows. And get your not safe for work talk radio fix on the Robin Slim Show. Get some life advice from Jerry and Callum from the bottom. And hear podcasts get roasted by the P-Bros on Pee on the Pods. All these shows and more await you at Fat Lowell's Radio. Available through all your favorite podcast apps or wherever podcasts are heard. Fat Lowell's Radio. Stuff full of entertainment. You're listening to The Fickle Fanboy. Brought to you by Fat Lowell's Radio. Forever and always your host, RPM. And with me as always, unfortunately, he's still Reverend Jess. Hey, Jess, how's it going? I don't know, dude. Like, okay, so you tell me what the topic for this uh, episode is. And I'll, like, I'll be honest, I hadn't seen the film in question before this. You hadn't? No. Oh, see, I saw it. When you were 40, so... Fuck all the way off in just the worst way. But, no, I think the first time I saw it, I was, uh, oh, I would have to say eight, nine, something like that, and... Honestly, dude, this movie, this movie had to be really fucking boring for you when you were eight. It wasn't half bad when I was eight. It was actually better when I saw it again in my teens. But that was also when I started getting heavily into Monty Python, that kind of humor. I don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, this is one of those movies where, you know, like, okay, so you have the the movies that are done by Pythons that aren't part of Monty Python, but feel like it's a lost Monty Python movie. Yeah, your Baron Munchausen. Your Fish Called Wanda. Yes. You know what I mean? Like those those feel like a Monty Python movie, but it's it's just it feels like the lost Monty Python movie. And I don't know if I would say the same thing for this one. Watching it now, I look at it and I go, "What the fuck was I thinking?" You have the directors and writers that, you know, that started directing and writing after their years in Monty Python. People like John Cleese, Terry Gilliam, and now Terry Jones. Terry Gilliam 
really knows what he wants to do with a movie. And that shows in stuff like Baron Munchausen and Brazil and Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas and shit. And even, you know, the later work, the Imaginarium, Dr. Parnassus or whatever. The the Heath Ledger, Johnny Depp, Colin Farrell, and whoever the fuck else movie, you know. Tom Waits was in there, I think, as the devil or some shit, you know, at some point or another. Yeah, and then the and then the Earth died screaming, and uh, they stacked the deck when they cast that movie. Yeah, but but like okay, so then you have something like Eric the Viking, which really just feels like Terry Jones felt left out because everybody else was doing things. I mean, I mean Terry Gilliam's Brazil was what nineteen eighty three. Yeah. So and Eric the Viking came out in eighty nine. Yeah. Oh well, I guess we should probably let. If you haven't read the fucking episode name. Yeah, I mean, just in case. And I picked the movie because we we started this season with Howard the Duck, and I was thinking we start with something that Tim Robbins is in, we'll end with something that Tim Robbins is in, and. You always tell me that I look at Howard the Duck with rose-colored glasses. Yeah, fanboy goggles. Much more fondly than I probably should. Well, I will say, I will admit at this point in time that I did that exact same thing with Eric the Viking, or at least I must have, because the shit that I found funny then went over like a wet fart this time, and the shit that went completely over my head i didn't even laugh it was it was a light chuckle at best and it's it's okay so i and your humor your sense of humor does change as you age that's just a fact well obviously but like like i because i've had experiences before where i've watched a movie that i thought was the greatest fucking thing in the world when i was like a freshman in high school and like watching it today i'm just like I borderline hate this movie. <laughs> yeah, there, there's some things that are evergreen. I mean, let's face it. Yeah. I don't care how old I get. Fart jokes are always going to... But it has you know, to be there's, earned. Th- there's some kind of humor that's always going to go over with me. Well, okay, so I'll give you a prime example. The films of Seth Rogen. So, like, I used to be one of those guys that, like, whenever the new one came out, I was fucking the first to the store to buy the DVD and shit. But going back and rewatching certain ones, they aren't that special anymore. Stuff like the interview and stuff like that was hilarious when you first watch it, but it's like not even worth repeated viewings. And like I own the interview on DVD because I could get it. For, I got it for like two bucks, but like I I can't remember the last time I actually sat down to watch it. I'm convinced that no matter what the movie is, if it's a good enough deal, you'll ultimately just say you know what what the fuck why not and buy it well okay so and like i own some shit movies i will like i own a copy of son of the mask and it's not even like a situation of like oh it was a double pack it came with the mask and son of the mask no i paid money on mercari for a physical copy of son of the mask on dvd why because i i figured we would watch it at some point in acclaim and shame which is the same reason that I own Delta Farce on fucking DVD. That's the only reason to own Delta Farce ever anywhere for anybody 
super bad, right? Super bad was hilarious when I was a freshman in high school, but watching it now, it is the majority of the humor comes from the fact that they're swearing constantly, mm-hmm. but like they're not good people in that movie. No. Like Jonah Hill's character is like one of the most despicable fucking human beings ever made. Yeah. The one thing that I will say that I have respect for Seth Rogen for is the fact that as the movies went on, it became less about like, haha, let's just put tits and pussy in this movie. And like, honestly, like it's mostly dick related humor with uh, Seth Rogen movies. Yeah. And I'm sorry. I kind of disagree with you on uh, Seth Rogen's movies just because I still am waiting to the day that I find them funny. I tried to watch the interview. That's about as close as I got to enjoying one of his movies. I've just never been a huge fan of not just him, but anything he's in. Like, okay, so I'm going to be real with you, dude. And I I don't mean this as another old joke. I make a whole bunch of old jokes, but it's really not comedy geared towards your generation. Go on. Judd Apatow really makes fucking R-rated movies that are on the comedy level of a teenager. Yeah. So like, like, okay, so this is the end, right? That was an okay movie. I, I enjoyed it. Enough. Dude, I, I think, I think this is the end is one of the, is the best thing that Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg have ever done. As far as their movies go, the best thing they've ever done though is preacher, but that they just produced that. I was simply talking about stuff that he was in physically. This is the end, though, is is just a pinnacle of meta humor. You know what I mean? So it's just a situation of like, okay, this works extremely well, and they're making fun of themselves. And like, uh, it's just, it's fucking great. It really is. But my whole standpoint is stuff like, like, okay, so they did that movie the night before. I watched the night before. I own the night before, but I can't remember the last time I've wanted to watch it. Like, I saw it once. It was funny. I saw it for cheap at a fucking flea market, and I was like, oh, sure, why not? But I would I would not have paid full price for that movie, and I don't... It's not... Like, as far as movies that I watch every Christmas season, it's not in there. <laughs> See, when I saw Eric the Viking on, I went ahead and immediately hit the DVR button, the record button, and I said, this is great. I love Eric the Viking." Once it was recorded, every day I'd go, eh, okay, well, oh, there's that, eh, maybe some other time. And then when I chose Howard the Duck to basically, you know, torture you at the beginning of the season, and to make it up to you, I had thought, I'll pick a movie that Tim Robbins is in that was actually good. What could I do? Oh, there's Eric the Viking. And now I'm put in a position where I actually feel like I should apologize to both you and myself. It's just, and like, like, don't get me wrong. It's, is it technically well made? Yes. Technically? Yeah, on a technical level, yes. And like, the problem is, I think it, the setup for the story is something that's pretty interesting and has a lot of comedic potential. Well, actually... The setup of the story was inspired by a children's book that Terry Jones had done. 
Well, that's what I'm saying because, okay. And I, I, it's funny that we're talking about this because I literally brought this up to my girlfriend relatively recently. I don't understand the fascination and obsession with Vikings because, okay, so like everybody's like, oh yeah, they look cool and they're fucking warriors and stuff like that. But at the same time, they're literally just fucking barbarians that have a, a, a bit more mythology behind them. And on top of that, they're kind of shit people. Like all they do is rape and pillage and like, like, okay. So like nowadays, if, if someone even has like a rumor or a false claim made up about them that they might've raped somebody, they're viewed as one of the most terrible fucking people in existence. They get shunned by society and cast aside forever and always with a quickness. But keep in mind, it's fully acceptable for that to be the situation to be, you know, like glorifying rapists as long as they they have fucking horns on their helmets and they talk about Odin a lot. Raping, pillaging, and plundering is horrible. Unless you're talking about Norse mythology. It's just, it's like, that's why I never understood like the fascination. And like, are there some cool aspects to, to Vikings? Sure. Like, the weaponry is really fucking cool. The fact that, like, you know, you fucking get to, like, pimp out in Valhalla at the end of your life. But, like, you're kind of a shit human being if you're a Viking, usually. Yeah. It's one of those situations of just, like, why are we glorifying these people? And and don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not about fucking cancel culture, especially. Like, I, like, I, think, I think the evidence needs to be there. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, like if if someone comes out and and they say that they were sexually assaulted by some asshole that's in a band that I've enjoyed, it's kind of hard for me to just go, no, they didn't. You know what I yeah. mean? And especially if like multiple people are coming out, like unless there's something that can like very kind of clearly point out that it's fucking bullshit, it's kind of hard for me to just be like, oh, I don't believe that. Yeah. So my whole standpoint with that is just basically like, listen, I totally understand the thought process of wanting to cancel somebody and not supporting someone like there's, I, I have a tendency to not support a company when it makes a, when it makes me uncomfortable with their decisions. Like I don't currently have a Netflix subscription because that creepy fucking cuties movie. Yeah. I don't really enjoy giving Amazon my money right now because they have like a fucking documentary that tries to like, undemonize pedophilia so like my point the point that i'm making here is just it's one of those situations of like i get it and like i get it you know weapons are cool i watch forged in fire now so i understand but i don't and even if i did uh, i wouldn't dude forged in fire is a pretty bitchin show you say so dude it's literally motherfuckers taking steel and turning it into weapons it's awesome on top of that, man, fucking Doug Marcada or whatever the fuck his name is, he's just like, he'll like fucking slash the fuck out of a pig with whatever weapon they've made. And they'd be like, in terms of your weapon, it will kill. I'll admit, that sounds pretty badass. However, bro, 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 you gotta check out fucking Forged in Fire. It's on Hulu. That's going to be the first episode of next season is his is new segment called RPM Tries. And it's going to be RPM tries, tries forged in fire. You know what? <laughs> you give me 
just enough shit for my age that I'm open to that. Tell you what, to really make up for what I put you through at the beginning of the season, next season, if you're up for it, we will do a full season of RPM Tries. You can pick anything that you want me to watch, play, whatever the fuck, and I will try it. All right. And maybe not, maybe not a full season. Hey, I offered. I tried. I know, I, but I, I am but open I, for a full season. But they'll have to is, wait and see thing, what happens. We're 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 a, we're a two for show. This is this is we have ju- we have the same amount of input on this show. <laughs> Let's break kayfabe here for a second. I am fully willing to admit right here, right now, that even before you became part of the show, the amount of good ideas that I've had that didn't come from you is a much shorter list. So, you know, you're selling yourself short. Thanks, Dad. Fuck off. <laughs> anyway, let's let's actually get into Eric the Viking. Because <laughs> yeah. Uh, I got shit I got to do today, okay? I just downloaded Return of the Oberdin, okay? I thought you said you had shit to do today. I just downloaded Return of the Oberdin. I thought you had shit to do today. Uh, that is 100% shit to do today. Okay, if you say so. Do you understand? Do you know what Return of the Oberdin is? Unfortunately, yes. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Are you shitting on Lucas Pope? Because if you're shooting on Lucas Pope, I swear to God, I will shoot you in the face. Have you played Return of the Oberdin? Yeah. That game is incredible. I'm sorry, but... Dude, it's... It's literally, you're literally able to see the last moments of a fucking crew before they died. Are you kidding me? God, you have terrible taste. All right, let's get started with Eric the Viking, which is the movie that you chose. I thought that the fact that we were covering Eric the Viking pretty much said that alone. Yeah, it just literally fucking like, you know, (laughs) simplifies it down to that. I was going to say, I mean, you say this like it's news to me. Shit. But okay. Okay. Well, since it was why we came together today, and you know, on with the show and on to the movie, because Eric the Viking is a 1989 action adventure comedy fantasy whatever the fuck film, and I use all those words lightly. That I won't blame anyone if they don't remember Eric the Viking, because you just got to look at the shit that came out in 1989 to go no wonder this thing got swallowed up i mean you had the 1989 batman with keaton and nicholson you had the burbs bill and ted's excellent adventure i thought that was 88 if it was it was late 88 i thought it was 89 you had indiana jones and the last crusade yeah you had back to the future Two, I believe. Yeah, Back to the Future Two. Major League, The Little Mermaid. Yeah, okay. Some examples aren't as great as others, but no, I'm just saying, like, as far like that's a Disney movie that came out then. Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. You got a good point there. Fucking Rain Man. Fucking Dead Poet Society. One that's frankly close to both of our hearts. UHF. 
UHF is a beautiful piece of film, and the fact that we haven't done a, a through the eyes on UHF is a fucking travesty. <laughs> patience, my man, patience. I'm picking my battles here. But the as I said before, the movie was written and directed by Terry Jones and was inspired um, by a children's book called The Saga of Eric the Viking. Obviously one of the worst things to come out of 1983, other than maybe myself. But, you know, it's funny that, it's funny to me, at least, that the movie is based on this book. Because if you were to compare the movie to the book, once you had reviewed everything that the book had given you, that would be about the time that everything cuts away, and all of a sudden you hear, and now for something completely different. Ah, fuck, let's just get to the movie as it opens in an awfully badass way, I'll say that. Let's just, really quick, let's just talk about what the plot of the book is. Okay. All right, so so just to preface this, the saga of Eric the Viking is a children's book, and it's about a Viking warrior who sets sail with his men on the Golden Dragon, which is his ship, to find the land where the sun goes at night, which honestly sounds like a really fucking cool children's book. You know? Yeah. So he took that setup and he was just like, all right, let's not do that for the movie. <laughs> let's put this in a movie that is not geared towards children. And uh, let's make it not about that at all. Basically, he looked at his own work and he seriously said, Eh, that's not good enough. Let's do something different. All right, so let's uh let's 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 petition to change the verb of George Lucasing uh-huh. to Terry Jonesing. All right. They don't have websites dedicated to mindless, stupid, dumbass petitions for nothing. Someone start a petition to do that. Or we can make it its own verb, where you take something and change the audience of the original work and like you change like the plot and like the feeling of it. So it changes it completely and goes in the opposite direction. So a prime example, when you take Forrest Gump, you take this book that is basically very fucking cynical and tongue and tongue in cheek and make it a feel good, heartwarming movie like Robert Zanekis did. You're Terry Jonesing it. Or what Disney does to fairy tales is Terry Jonesing it in reverse. I was going to say what Disney does to, just about anything is Terry Jonesing it in reverse. But yeah, I, I see your point. I see your point. I like it. Like I said, if we don't do it, I'm putting it out there into the universe. Somebody's got to start a petition to do it. I'm going to start a petition for them to start a petition. I like it. In fact, I'm going to start a petition for you to start a petition for them to start a petition. I think we've reached inception at this point. That's all I've been trying to do uh, these last five years. It's a dream within a dream within that's, a dream. That's been the point of this fucking show. Uh, but for all the bad things you can say about this movie, the opening is awfully badass. What with the burning village in the midst of a horde of Vikings raping, pillaging, and plundering? I'm sorry, but that shit is just tits. It's literally, like, probably the only exciting part in the movie. There's no probably about it. You know, and, and when I say raping, pillaging, and plundering, 
that really just kind of applies to most of the people in the scene. Two out of three ain't bad for Tim Robbins' Eric, though, as he seems to be having uh, performance anxiety, I guess you could call it, in front of this uh, young gal, as she really just gets fed up with it and starts nagging him like the pain in the ass that she is. She nags and nags and nags right up to the point where he stabs her with, well, frankly, the wrong damn sword, or at least the um, the sword that was not intended to run her through, and she dies in his arms. They play it off like an accident, but let's face it. <laughs> Mini Christmas. <laughs> but we cut to the opening credits at that point, as we are reminded that this movie also has Eartha Kitt, as you said earlier, John Cleese, and even Mickey fucking Rooney, for whatever the reason. Strangely not in really offensive Asian makeup. Yeah, what's up with that? Why not? Right? When he was cast, they put him in the wrong damn part. In case you guys are curious about what we're talking about, I just want to say, what about breakfast at Tiffany's? <laughs> that was... That was a deep blue something, is what that was. That was that was certainly something. I'll give you that. Are you? Do you seriously not know that song? Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's by a band called Deep Blue Something. How dense do you think I am? I'm just wondering. Well, I know you were 50 when that song came out, so. And how old were you again? Oh, that's right. You were an embryo. No, I don't even think I was an embryo at that point. I think I was a sperm cell, probably. <laughs> you were. Just a glint in your father's eye. And unfortunately, that glint had to be realized. Right. Anyway, if you can't tell, we're kind of trying to stall, because there's not much that happens in this damn movie. It's literally a fucking nothing film. Like, even more so than Howard the Duck. It's a nothing film. Where Howard the Duck is just like, yeah, shit happens because... Eric the Viking is like, not much happened well, because... No, no, there are some things that happen because, and we'll get to those, but um, at this point, we're just reunited with young Eric and his compadres having dinner in their tiny little village as Eric begins to stare at... I'm sorry, if did you notice that he just begins to stare at damn near everything around him as if he's high as fuck for like the first 30 minutes or so? Dude, if I if I was in a movie with this script, I'd be high as fuck too, just so I could have some fucking fun with it. We're on drugs. We're on drugs. Terry, why is this film so boring? <laughs> the only time that he doesn't look absolutely bewildered in the first half hour or so of this movie is when he visits Eartha Kitt's Freya, an old wise woman in the nearby mountains who sneaks up on his ass and scares the shit out of him. Honestly, though, can you blame him? That's Madame Zeroni. She's going to curse you with bad luck if you don't carry her up a mountain. Uh. That's a holes reference. You guys remember Disney's Holes? Uh, not even most of the people involved in that movie probably remember that thing, but yeah. 
Fuck you. Holes is a great Fuck film. Fuck you right back. If you guys got Disney Plus, Holes is available to watch right now. It's Shia LaBeouf's first real movie. And if you have Disney Plus, just about anything else would be worth watching on Disney Plus. No, there's definitely worse movies to watch on Disney Plus than Holes. Holes is a beautiful film. I would rather subject myself to the ugly dachshund than fucking Holes. Do you know the ugly dachshund? No. Well, there's a reason for that. Why? When, when is it from? Is it an older movie? Is it a newer movie? A much older movie. I'm talking like shit that came out in the 60s and whatever. <laughs> but back to this movie. If I had to sum up Eric the Viking, in all honesty, like if I had to sum it up, I would sum it up as a filet mignon premise that is a rice cake in delivery. You know, it's edible. It's, it's, it's perfectly fine food. It does, it does the job. It keeps you alive. But it's not anywhere near what the potential it had to be was. It is literally just fucking bland and milk toast and nothing. And see, I disagree with you slightly. I probably would have described it as if you go into a restaurant, you sit down, you order a nice juicy T-bone steak, and instead... What they bring out to you is a hot steaming dog turd. I don't know, dude. Like, because like that's the thing. I've seen a lot of movies. I've seen a lot of bad movies too, and this is one of them. I don't know. To me, I think I think the biggest crime a movie could have is being boring. Like Justice League as a movie was technically well made. You know what I mean? It was a technical well made movie. But it was a boring movie, and that's why it has a half a star rating from me on Letterboxd. Like, that is the biggest crime a movie can have, is being unmemorable and being boring. And, like, to me, this movie is boring. Oh, yeah, yeah, and I agree. But the worst thing is, for this movie, there's moments, at least early on, where you think, oh, this, this might start to get good. You know, such as when he reaches the top of the mountain and Eartha Kitt scares the shit out of him, you have a moment where she's explaining as they look out onto this bleak, just ugly sky that Fenrir the wolf has swallowed the sun and plunged the world into the age of Ragnarok. And you hear fucking, you know, Slayer, fucking Rain and Blood starts playing, you know what I mean? Like... You know what I mean? But like it and like you're just like, oh, this is gonna be fucking brutal, but it's just it's not. But the moment that she says that kind of shit is the moment that suddenly Tim goes from looking high as all holy hell to looking as if he completely gets it. He had a Jimmy Neutron brain blast at that point. He really did. But don't worry. Him looking normal and all that shit, that shit passes as he resolves to travel to Asgard to petition the gods to end Ragnarok. At which point, Freya then informs him that to do so, he must seek the horn resounding and toot that motherfucker three times. 
the first note blown upon the horn will take him to Asgard with his buddies. The second note awakens the gods. And the third note will, of course, bring them home. So already, this thing has at least an interesting, or you know, more or less interesting, plot. But it's still the least interesting plot of any movie that came out in 1989. Or ever, really. I don't know. To me, it, it, I mean, it, it's they're going for like a fish-out-of-water story, where it's just like, oh, the guy who's like really timid and shy and shit like that has to go talk to the gods. Yeah. But... Upon hearing all this, Eric then returns home to convince a group of men within the village from all walks of life to set out on such a harrowing journey with him, including a Christian missionary who disbelieves the entire narrative and a berserk. Oh, and then there's a local blacksmith played by the supposedly prolific Gary Cady, who, if you've never heard of... Don't worry, you're not alone. But he's uh, persuaded by his apprentice to go along with Eric and the others, if for no other reason than to sabotage the whole damn thing, seeing as peace would inevitably end the demand for the duo's services within the village. So there's that. And Loki, as we know, is played by Tom Hiddleston. Unfortunately not right here, no. I mean, don't get me wrong. Played by Graham Chapman's corpse. Oh, that would actually have been even better. But, uh, yeah, no. <sighs> but meanwhile, the apprentice Loki sneaks out of the village to then immediately go inform Halfdan the Black, John Cleese, who himself plays a local ruthless warlord. And he goes to squeal that peace might mean the end of his reign and that doesn't sit well with Halfdan which I'm sorry the whole first scene that John Cleese is in you can tell he's really just trying to go for crucifixion yes down to the left that whole scene yeah he just owed Terry a favor is what it comes down to <laughs> yeah that's why he's in this movie but Halfdan then puts into motion a plan to get a crew of his own and set sail in pursuit of Eric and his crew. But I'm getting ahead of myself, because I frankly totally bypassed the absolute worst pep talk in the history of film, as Eric, attempting to ease the mind of the village's womenfolk, who are also just a bit pissed that the big striking blacksmith has decided to go along with the others, you know, he is just giving the worst pep talk ever, and he's just making things worse. Because it causes all of them to burst into tears. And actually, this movie may not make you laugh out loud, but in moments like that, if it doesn't make you at least kinda chuckle to yourself for a moment, well, then shit. Obviously, we have completely different ideas about what is even enjoyable, let alone funny. Oh, and then there's the seating chart fiasco in the in the movie. Uh, that's just, well, let's, let's... I'd say, it, much like anything in this movie, I'd say it was classic, but that would demean the fucking word totally. It's not. 
It's just, it's not. I think this whole episode should just be called Making Chicken Salad Out of Chicken Shit. I don't even know if there's chicken sh- chicken salad being happening here, you know. Yeah, maybe rancid chicken salad. I'm just saying, like, like to me, it's just like, it's the attempt is there, but it doesn't, doesn't even feel like much of an attempt. Uh, to say it would be phoning it in would be giving it too much credit. But anyway, they head off on the not-so-awesome odyssey and quickly encounter a giant, well, the Dragon of the North Sea, I guess is what they call it, or some such nonsense, which serves only as the first in many standout moments for Sven, the Berserk. Husk, husk, oh, wait, oh, shit, not, not that Berserk. My love for you is like a truck. <laughs> uh, and I'm sorry, every time I saw this character, all I could think is, have you ever heard a good Oli and Sven joke? No. Have you heard any? No. Okay, well, I'll give you one. I'll give you one. Oli, Sven, and Lars are sitting at the table and drinking some good beer and bullshitting. And Lars's wife, Lena, comes in and says, You know, you, you all want to talk about your fishing and all that other mindless bullshit. Let me ask you one question. I want you to think hard about it. When you are up there at the pearly gates and you're asked, what do you want people to say about you after your death? What would you say? And they all think, they all think, and Lars says, well, I would want them to say that I was a a good man and a good husband. And, uh, Sven thinks and thinks and thinks and says, I would want them to say that I was eh, not only a good man and good husband, but an even better father. Oli thinks and thinks and thinks, and finally, after what seems like an hour of silence, he looks up from his beer and says, I would want them to say, Holy shit, he's moving! It's not bad. Thank you. Thank you. These are the kind of jokes that I grew up on, and um, <laughs> to say that they're you know, some of them are offensive is like saying that uh, this was a bad movie. It, it's really a no-brainer. Uh, anyway, this uh, crazy fuck that is and forever will be Sven in this movie jumps into the fray without even a thought or regret and attempts to help. Kill the beast before Eric causes the dragon to simply inhale the feathers within the pillow that his mommy made him bring that he didn't want to bring along as the dragon suddenly sneezes. What the hell? (sighs) And it causes the ship and the men within to fly at least several hundred feet. But they land and... You see that somehow, even those that jumped out of the ship in the middle of battle are (laughs) safely back in the ship for no reason at all. Because why bring anything like logic or uh, common sense into this thing when it's obviously been absent the whole time anyhow? But luckily for them and us, they end up landing right exactly where they intended to go anyway as they arrive the next morning on the shores of high brazil 
uh, where the locals are so friendly and trusting that they don't even know what a sword is. And these pricks must not end up getting very many visitors because they pull out all the stops. They're so excited that they even put on a show for them as they sing absolutely horribly and play even worse as far as uh, the music that they try to, and I use try very loosely, but they try to play. <laughs> Are you awake still? I'm sorry, I was watching Eric the Viking and fell asleep. It's good, it's good fall asleep movie. <laughs> it's really about the only use for it nowadays. Uh, but their hospitality obviously has the uh, intended outcome for some, not very many, but some, as Eric promptly falls in love with the local princess in record freaking time. Because words on a script. In fact, it's during one of their only romantic encounters that she attempts to hide Eric from her father using a magic cloak of invisibility. The only thing that she leaves out is that the cloak only works on her father seeing as he's so damn dense. But, again, I'm getting ahead of myself. I guarantee that it's like they thought that it was clever when they wrote it, but it just doesn't fucking hold up. I want to know what they were smoking and or drinking when they wrote this movie, because whatever it was, I want some. Right. But a few seconds before we see the aftermath of Eric bumping uglies, we also saw the king warning the Vikings that should blood be shed upon the tiny island, the entire thing would instantly begin to plunge beneath the surrounding waves. So isn't that special? Which really sucks for everyone involved when Loki shows up for no damn reason and kills someone, not having a damn clue what the others had been told. But that's only after Eric and his crew attempt to sail off, now that Eric's gotten some, as they defend the land against one of Halfdan's ships as Cleese looks to kill them all. But before I go on, can I just take a moment to appreciate the subtitles used to explain what the insanely racist Asian dude, who is more or less the slave driver that is making these poor bastards row half Dan's boat. Can I just take a moment to appreciate the subtitles used to explain what he sang? I mean, damn, it's... The movie was worth watching, if only for that scene. And maybe not for much more, but still. But anyhow, they all seem a bit unnerved as Tim's Eric seems, well, a bit nutty, actually. Because... He goes back to grab the cloak from the princess and then puts it on uh, atop his head and begins to act a complete ass. You know, as you do. Well, as he does anyway. But that gives the Vikings, for whatever reason, a bit of an advantage as they realize there's nothing to necessarily be all that worried about or afraid of and they rally behind Eric and seize the day and the warlord's ship. At which point, as I said, you know, Loki's found aboard the ship, and so on and so forth, yada yada yada. And 
they all head back to land. When Loki then fucks things up royally. But not before the king shows his gratitude by presenting the newcomers with the horn resounding. So again, I would say isn't that special, but no, it's it's really not. And this horn, oh shit, the damn thing's huge. It's about the size of my, you know, never mind. But that's neither here nor there. Because yeah, as I said, Loki screws the pooch, kills a man, and a single drop of the poor sod's blood drips upon the island shore, causing an earthquake, which then causes the island to sink ever so, well, luckily not that slowly. A little too slowly for my taste, but that's just because I want this thing over with. Leaving everyone on land to slip along with it into a giant watery grave. So they get off lucky and easily. I will say this, though. It is really funny that he just refuses to admit it's sinking. It's kind of like a Trump supporter trying to refuse to admit that Biden won the election. You know, I hate to admit it, but yeah, that's really what it is. <laughs> well, I don't hate to admit it. That's all it is. I mean, it's it's at least the same show of resolve and lack of logic. But everyone but Eric, his crew, and apparently the princess, who has no problem leaving her father or her people to gasp for breath below the tide, everyone else goes down below the water's edge. So damn. Anyway, now joined by his new woman, Eric and his crew escape safely in their ship as their new buxom crewmate soon sounds the first note on the horn. Eh, at which point the ship is then swiftly propelled over the edge of the flat earth, which, I mean... Are we sure that this wasn't done by a very young AJ Styles? Is AJ Styles a flat earther? That's the rumor. <laughs> I've read or heard enough interviews with those that have been around him to possibly believe that that might be the case. I don't know. I just, it's kind of weird <laughs> to me because, you know, isn't he like total Christian? I guess. So total Christian and a flat earther. Like, why do I, I'm literally wearing an AJ Styles shirt right now. Why do I support this guy? I would say money well spent, but... the fuck is wrong with me? I've been asking myself that almost as long as I've been asking myself what the fuck's wrong with me. But anyway, like I said, the ship goes over the edge of the supposedly flat Earth and into space, coming to rest upon the plains of Asgard, so whatever. But Eric sounds the second note to awaken the gods, and he and his crew climb a path made of stars to approach the Great Hall of Valhalla. So yay, we're rounding the bend. And once there, Eric finds Helga, the gal from the beginning of the movie, who he claims to possibly maybe kind of been doing this all for anyway, in order to bring her back with them even though that's never been mentioned at all throughout the whole thing. All right. So th that's likely a thorn in just about everybody's damn side once it's revealed. Especially the gal who just joined them after apparently getting some, well, 
I would say good dick from Tim Robbins, but I just I just don't buy that. But before he can convince her to come back with them, or convince anybody of anything, really, he and the crew encounter others within the halls, such as old friends and even more than just a few enemies. And the gods, they're really just revealed to be petulant, bitchy, painly-ass children. So what the fuck? Yeah, the gods must be crazy. Oh, we must have been crazy to watch this movie. Ever. Oh, and the missionary who I absolutely loved. I said that he's involved in some of the better scenes in the movie. And this is one of them. Because he sees neither hall, nor ghosts, nor gods. And at one point, he passes through the halls due to his, I guess, his Christianity. Because, again, words in the script. Anyhow, Odin, I guess, persuades Fenrir to spit out the sun, or whatever the hell, but tells Eric that the end of Ragnarok will not bring peace to the world, as if we didn't see that shit coming. Especially nowadays, I mean, come on. Writing's on the wall. And then informs the group that they can neither return home nor remain in Valhalla since they were not slain in battle. Instead, they are to be cast into the fiery pits of hell. So that's finally something good to come out of all this. Unfortunately, we don't see that. <laughs> because the missionary returned back to the ship by this point. Tired of everyone's bull. And some of the crew who died earlier in the adventure actually attempt to save the others, but even as they are drawn into the pit along with everyone else, they all hear the horn resounding's third note, blown by Harold the missionary, merely wishing to go home. So that flings them all free and clear as the whole crew including those who had died along the way, they all immediately find themselves back in their home village. I, I, I just don't know what to do with this. I really don't. It, it is definitely a product of its time. Yeah. As far as, like, you know, the timing of the jokes. I don't know. My whole standpoint is the movie as a whole is pointless. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, to me, like, I and I know Terry Jones can write. It's just really strange to me because this clearly was a passion project. It had to have been. But it's really weird to see a passion project that doesn't feel like it has any passion to it. You know, I've been trying to figure out a way to really sum up this movie. And I think that that right there would probably be cut and dry. The closest thing I could say to the absolute honest truth about this flick would be that it is a passion project that lacks passion in any way possible. Yeah, and like, don't get me wrong, like, Tim Robbins is a wonderful actor, and it's been shown in many movies. But yes. it's like, it, even he is just like, what are we doing here? Waka, waka, waka. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> but like, I'm saying, like, Shawshank Redemption, 
his performance in Shawshank Redemption is incredible. Oh yeah. But like I'm just saying like and it's not it's not a question of this dude's talent. This dude put the work in. Like he has turned in small performances where he makes he takes that shit and runs with it. Like Tenacious D in The Pick of Destiny. And see that's my point. There are so many people involved in this movie that are so much better than this shit. You know, whether it be in front of or behind the camera. It seriously dumbfounds me. Yeah. Because, like, if you look at him in Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny, he's in that movie for a fucking grand total of, like, 15 minutes. Yeah. But he is very fucking clearly having fun with that role. Yeah. And in this one, he feels not like he's not having fun at all. Yeah. Unfortunately, the movie is still not done. Because, well, I could say all's well that ends well. Before I can even get there, we find that Halfdan and his soldiers have somehow survived and arrived before anybody else and are holding the villagers captive. But unfortunately for them, and luckily for us, the ship that Eric and the guys were in is the last thing to return as it suddenly crashes to the ground and crushes the warlord and his men to death as it falls out of the sky. And yet, there's still someone in the ship and it's completely unscathed when it comes crushing to the ground. But the villagers celebrate Eric's return for whatever reason, and even though most of them didn't seem to be able to stand Eric at the beginning of the movie, and they then also celebrate Hafden's defeat. And the sun rises, ending the age of Ragnarok, and bam, we're done, finally. Fuck. In the cinema, this thing, get this, had a running time of 107 minutes. It feels so much longer, too. Well, see, and here's, here's the thing. Unhappy with the film's slow pacing, Jones soon whittled it down to 89 minutes for VHS release. Then, his son, Bill, cut the thing down even more, and it's still too damn long, even at 75 minutes. And yet, it feels at least twice as long. (laughs) No matter what version you speak of, though, Roger Ebert went on to give this fucker a zero out of a possible four stars. So in this moment, the... Shit, shit, shit. Wrong podcast. Sorry. 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 My bad. But Tim would go on to have a successful career spanning decades and oftentimes trying to get the fandom community in any facet, anywhere, no matter what kind of fandom you were talking about, to forgive him as he tried over and over again to make up for this pile. I think he finally realized that (laughs) he may as well just learn his lesson and give up the ghost after seeing (laughs) what he did and everything around what he did in Green Lantern. At that point, I probably would have said, yeah, fuck it, I'm done trying as well. Yeah, I agree. But (sighs) there you have it, folks. The movie's done. We're done. The season is officially done. And, um... Fuck you, 
you're a fucking wanker. You're going to punch you right in the balls. Fuck you with a fucking anchor. You're all cunt, so fuck you all. Ah, uh, but yeah, we're um, we're done finally. Thank, thank the maker. Uh, but yeah, it's time to wrap this fucker up. So. You can find me at, at the Fickle Fanboy RPM, at the Fickle Fanboy Podcast on Instagram, on the Fickle Fanboy Facebook page. You can send email to the Fickle Fanboy at gmail.com. Yeah, that about covers it all. Where can they find you? Yeah, for, I'm lazy. For this podcast, not for all your other 95,000. Yeah, I'm lazy, so... uh I'm just going to go ahead and put in my stupid plug here. <clears throat> you can find me at RevJazz underscore FL Radio on Twitter. You can find my Edgy Boy content show, The Church Absurd, on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can find our other show, Acclaim and Shame, on Anchor as well as Spotify and all your other favorite podcast apps. And uh, other than that, check out the Fatitude Era when it comes back for the fourth time. But what about uh, Acclaim and Shame's Twitter and Facebook? Oh, Acclaim and Shame and Acclaim and Shame. But... Yeah, so there you have it, folks. Much like Eric the Viking, we end the season not with a bang, but with a whimper. I thought this was a damned good idea. I thought that covering Howard the Duck was a damned good idea. Well, we see where that went. Yeah. I thought covering this was a damned good idea. And then I came to a quick realization that absolutely nothing happens in this movie. And so, uh, I've tried my best, and I hope you all appreciate it, to make this movie sound much more interesting than it could possibly ever be. I'm sorry if that's not the case, but, yeah. This has been a Fat Lulz Radio production. And with that...